We're talking about how God moved in the new church, all right? The, the brand new church that was born after Jesus went up to heaven, the Bible teaches. And uh, he had been with his disciples. He had been with his followers for many days. At one point in time, he appeared to over 500 people at one time after his resurrection. So there were many people in that day that had seen Jesus, heard Jesus after the resurrection. And uh, the new church got going. And I just think when something's brand new, it, it's probably going the direction it needs to go. You know, the original found. And, and kind of like this country, I, I think our founders, you know, had an original idea. Maybe that's been tweaked over the years for better or worse. But, but probably the United States looks a little different than it did 200 and 30 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. And so uh, your family maybe looks a lot different in a lot less time. I don't know what that looks like for you. But God wants us to be his church on the earth. And when you became a Christian, and maybe that was last week for some of you, there are certain things that I think are essential to help strengthen your core. And that's kind of where this this series is coming from to strengthen your core so that you can be the fully devoted follower of Jesus that God wants you to be, intends for you to be, and be fully alive and fully blessed and have the full life of Jesus in your life. And so we've been looking at different things. The first week we talked about communication with God, how important that is. So if you weren't here that week, two weeks ago, uh, we gave that message on prayer, basically, talking to God, allowing God to talk to us. And then last week we talked about obedience, how essential it is for us to obey what God has put forth in his word. And now today we want to look at the R and look at relationships because relationships, how many know are huge in your life? They are so huge. Uh, you are much uh, to the better or the worse according to the relationships you have in your life. And how many of you have people in your life, maybe don't raise a hand, but that uh, let, let's start with a positive that enrich your life, you know, in case somebody does slip up your hand, uh, enrich your life, make it better, encourage you. You're a better person because of having just having them in your life. And then how many of you have people who just suck the very life right out of you, you know, just, just, you suck it right out of you. You know, when you see them coming, you're like, oh Lord, my God, you know, <laughs> help me right now. If you've ever helped me, help me now. And, and so we have those kinds of people in our life. And the book of Acts, as a matter of fact, the whole Bible talks about relationships. And in the original part of the Bible, when God made man, God actually made an incredible statement. He says, it's not good for this guy to be alone. How many know that's true? How many married people here today, huh? You know your man doesn't need to be alone, right? It's dangerous. 
And, and so, uh, listen, I appreciate my wife. I appreciate her input. I'm a better person, I feel like. I, I, there's things where we're different. She's rubbed off on me. Hopefully, I've rubbed off some on her, some good things, I hope. And, and so, uh, that happens when you get close to people. And so in the book of Acts, we find where there were things that happened, the early church, in the relationships that they had, and they were very strategic about their relationships, and they were able to negotiate different struggles. Anybody ever have struggles in your relationships? Just everyone, I'm talking about yesterday for some of you, right? Okay, so I think we're going to help you today. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is the verse we've looked at for the last couple of weeks. They devoted themselves. These are brand new believers. These are people in this first church after Jesus' resurrection. They devoted themselves to certain things. And here's what we talked about last week, the apostles' teaching. But this week we're going to talk about the next one. And to fellowship, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, I'll show you. In Acts chapter 4, there's an instance where Peter and John are arrested for preaching, which happens all the time across the world. Not so much in America at this point, but that we, you just get canceled maybe, I don't know, in, in this country. But in other countries, you can get canned, all right? Uh, you can get put into prison. And that's what happened with Peter and John. They were, they were put in prison, but in Acts 4.23, on their release, okay? They've just been released from prison. What would you do if you just got released from prison? For preaching the gospel. Well, let's look at what Peter and John did. Peter and John went back to their own people, so that's where they went, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, the people in the room that they were telling, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. That's why they went there, because that'll make you feel good. Right? When you go to people and you say, well, here's what terrible is going on in my life. Here's what. And they just say, oh, let's pray right now. Jesus, help him. How many know you get encouraged by people like that? Right? And so that's what they did. They went to people who were able to strengthen them. And hey, during these 21 days of prayer, We've told you, submit your prayer request. And you can do that online. You don't have to be in this building to do that. You can do that online, and we will be praying for you, just like they did in the book of Acts. And, and so what happens is, is we start praying together because how many know, how many would admit that the pandemic and just some of the stuff that's gone on in our country for the last year and a half or so has been more stressful than normal for you. Anybody? Just three of us, huh? How many online? You know, it's, it's been stressful. Maybe your family's been a little more, there's more tension. Uh, maybe you're in a home or a family where your in-laws have different political beliefs than what you have. And this, this last year and a half, 
man, it's hard just to talk. It's hard just to, maybe at work, you know, people not wanting to come back to work or whatever, and what are they doing? They're forcing us in there, and I don't want to do that. And, and, and maybe, you know, it's been irritable. It's been tough. It's been strenuous. And these are divisive times. Well, listen, there were divisive times back then. As a matter of fact, I just read from Acts chapter 4, you just have to go over two more chapters and you'll find that there was inner church arguing. Can you imagine? <laughs> In the church. And, and, and here's what it was about is, hey, our widows aren't getting the fair share that they ought to be getting. You're, you got a feeding program going on and our widows are getting neglected and you need to take care of the old people. And, and so they were complaining about this and, and the leaders, the, the apostles of the church said, well, we can't just drop everything. Uh, we're busy praying, reading the Bible, trying to communicate God's word, trying to lead this whole thing. We've never been trained to lead a church of you know, this size and, and all the stuff that's going on. So how about we put some people over that area to help? And you know what? Everybody said, that's good. And the Bible says the just, church just kept on growing. But here's what they did. They came up with a way to keep the unity. And this is exactly what God wants in your house. This is what God wants in your family. This is what God wants in your life and in his church today. How many know a divided world needs a united church? You know, we need to be united. So... In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to go there for the rest of the morning because I think it's a prescription from the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a local church, again, a local church situation, and he's writing about a personality conflict, okay? He's writing about, and I'll just tell you who it is. It's two women that can't get along. Again, can you imagine Okay, so, so two women that can't seem to get along and, and Paul talks to them and he, he, he gives them a prescription on managing your relationships. And I think this prescription that we're gonna read today straight from the Bible, I think it still works today. Okay, and, and I think the reason why it works today is because it is coming from God's word, like we talked about last week, the power of God's word. So if you found your place, Philippians chapter four, here's what it says. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Now, now I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's a sandwich method, I think it's called, of communication, okay? And it's like two pieces of bread and then something in the middle. And uh, the way I've heard this is you start off with something positive. You ever heard this? 
You know, don't start off on the negative. Well, you did whatever. No, 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 no. Talk about, you're such a good person. That's a layer of bread. And then after that, then you go after the issue and then you wind up with something nice on the back end. And it's kind of like that with the Apostle Paul. He starts off with, oh, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. And, 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 and you just so, you're, you're my joy and crown. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is flattering, right? You're feeling, oh, I'm glad we read this letter. I'm glad we're reading this. But then in verse 2, now, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it'd be kind of cool to have your name in the Bible. You know, if you were reading a lot, there's Craig, <laughs> named in the Bible. You know, that, that'd be so awesome. That'd be cool. But not like this. Not getting called out, you know, in front of God and everybody. People 2,000 years from now still going to be reading about your name and how you're getting called out in church. I mean, that, that, that part's not so cool. But here's, here's what Paul does is when he says, be of the, notice this, the same mind, he's using the same word that he used two chapters earlier in Philippians 2, 5, where he says, let this same mind be in you. And another translation would be, let this same attitude be in you. That was in Jesus. In other words, try to have the same attitude in life that Jesus had in his life. So same doesn't mean you two ladies ought to act the same. You know, if you both... You both should like blue as a color. You both should like the same shop. You both should like the same food. You both, that's not the same that he's talking about here. He's talking about what you should have is a selfless attitude, just like Jesus did. It's kind of like, reminds me of the two boys that were sitting at the breakfast table and mama's making pancakes and, and they were arguing about who was going to get the first one. And uh, finally, she says, hey, shut up, uh, boys. Um, now, listen, Here, here's what I'm telling the story so I can tell it how I want to, all right? So when, when you tell it, you can tell it different, all right? So, so she says, boys, listen, if Jesus were here, how many ever had a mom do that kind of thing? You know, if, if Jesus were here, he would say, let my brother have the first one. So the five-year-old said to the three-year-old, okay, Evan, you be Jesus. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about, all right? Let's read on. Verse three, he says, yes, and I ask you, my true companion. So he's reaching out to somebody in particular. Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Well, first of all, shout out to the ladies. 
get mentioned in the Bible in an ancient time where people didn't give women that kind of notoriety. And not only does Paul give them notoriety, he says they were essential workers. They were essential to me. They were helpful to me. And, 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 and then also, it's kind of like, I might as well call them out because you all know who I'm talking about. You, you know who I'm talking about anyway. Because how many know your stuff has a way of spreading? It's kind of like if you're married and you think, now we can argue back here in the back of the house and everything, and our kids are never going to know the difference. You ever tried that? Or other people aren't going to pick up on the stress levels and the whatever. You know, Paul's like, okay, we all know what's going on. Now, what's important is not that it's going on. What's important is that it gets fixed. It's that we remedy this because these are good people. These are not bad people, Udia and Syntyche. These are good ladies. They've, they've fought for the gospel. Now I know they're having struggles together, but these women are key players. They, they shouldn't, this shouldn't be going on. And Paul again says, you know, in a divided world, we need a united church. And so we've got to get together. And you know who else talked about unity? Jesus. As a matter of fact, in his great prayer that's recorded in the book of John, that's a lengthy prayer, the longest prayer recorded of Jesus, it's mostly about unity. Father, would you help make them one as we are one? Would you unite them together? And so Jesus prayed, and he said, it's not just a prayer, he said, it's a sign that you're my follower. When you love one another, it shows people you're my follower. So it's a sign that you're a legit Christian, that you're a legit Christ follower. So what you don't want to do is mess up your testimony in a test. How many have ever done that, right? You know, you, you messed up your testimony in a test. And then you're like, oh, man, you know, I did that, and now at work, I'm going to have a hard time sharing faith and things like that. Listen, this is why relationships are huge. It's why they're important. And we want you to get involved in relationships. Pull this up on the screen for me. Here's a bunch of classes. We're talking about these around here that you could jump into and connect with other people. Are you an emotionally uh, healthy person? Or have you been struggling lately? Why don't you go to a class that's being offered, a group where you could get together with other people and encourage each other, hey, it's okay, you're gonna be all right. And here's some training from the Bible to help you get on track. I'm telling you, that class is powerful. Financial Peace University. Don't gripe about your finances. Do something about them. If you're in debt and and you can't get out, and you've struggled for years with your money, do something about it for Jesus' sake, right? Uh, divorce care, starting point. Uh, if you need a start of faith, if you need to even know who Jesus really is, if you need to know 
fundamentals of faith. Let me tell you something. Starting point is for you. You need to just sign up. Grief share if you're grieving. Fall life groups. We've got tons of opportunities this fall to get connected with other people. And I'll just tell you flat out, the Bible says it's important. I thought maybe I'd get one amen. All right, help me out here. Don't leave me up here by myself, all right? So, but how many know, like one guy said, I heard an old preacher one time, he says, where the people are, there the mess is. Because you get people together and you can have some mess, okay? And maybe you've had some in church years ago, whatever, and it's been tough and all. Here's what we need to do today. Here's where we're going for the rest of the time is some of us need an attitude adjustment. And I'll tell you how Paul talks about this attitude adjustment. He uses this phrase a couple of times here. He says, in the Lord. Because in other words, it's one thing as a human that you ought to strive as a fellow human to get along with your fellow humans, right? How many would agree with that? You know, you see somebody with a sign in their yard that says, be kind. Just be, just be could you do that? Could you do that for me? I don't know, maybe they're telling themselves that, you know, before they pull out of the driveway. Reminder, it might be more for them than it is for you. I don't know. I don't live next door to them necessarily, so you, you make that call. But, but here's the thing, we should do this. But I'm telling you this, as a Christ follower, no option. You, you have no option. You gotta get along with other people. Because it's a prayer of Jesus that you do, and it's a sign that you're a true Christ follower. Because you have love for other people. Even Jesus said you love your enemies. You love people so much. So here's how we're going to do this, because how many know it's a tough assignment? And if you just knew my family, you just know, right? Some of you are thinking, you know, if you just knew where I work, if you just knew, you know, the people I have in my life, you just know how tough of an assignment this is, Craig. So here, lean in, fill in some blanks today, and I'll help you out. Here's what Paul says, first of all, in, in, in Philippians. He says the first ingredient to an attitude adjustment is be joyful. Be joyful. Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. There's that phrase again. See, you may not be able to do it in your own. He didn't say rejoice in yourself. Rejoice in your own power. No, that's not what he said. He said rejoice in the Lord because you can do that. You can do that no matter where you are. And you can do it what? Always. Always. Did you know what always means in the original? It means always. Okay? It means always. It means all the time. And I will say it again, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Rejoice. So Paul calls them to joy. Where's your joy gauge this morning? Are you full and overflowing, or is your tank about half empty? No wonder you're irritable. 
No wonder things irritate you. No wonder you, you have a tough time at work. No wonder you hate Mondays. No wonder stuff, no wonder hump day you're in a bad mood or whatever. If your joy gauge is not full, Paul says it's a problem. You need to get filled with joy. And listen, joy will elevate your perspective. It'll change your whole outlook. And he says, always. In other words, if you're looking for it, you can find it. How many know that? How many know you find what you're looking for? If you're looking for faults and looking for somebody to mess up one more time and that they're going to screw up again today and I'm just going to watch for it. Just going to watch. Listen, you'll find it because how many know we're all flawed? So you'll find the flaws. You'll find the cracks. You'll, you'll find that. But if you'll look for opportunities to rejoice, you'll find those. So in conflict, look for things to be joyous about because it's actually bigger than the situation, okay? The joy factor is bigger. So be joyful. Here's the second thing he says, verse five. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. So we need to be gentle, not just joyful, but be gentle, now, what is gentle? Gentle is not what a lot of people think. It's strength under control. So it's a, it's a strong person, but you're under control. It, it's that thing of where maybe you say to somebody, hey, be the bigger person, right? Be the bigger person. Sure, you could get back at them. Sure, you could say something, but, but be the bigger person. So in other words, gentle doesn't say, well, I'll show them. I'll show them what they did. I'll one-up them. I'll, I'll you know, come back. I'll, I'll prove to them that I'm right. I'll, I'll crush them. No, that, that's not what gentleness does. Gentleness, look, look at this. In Proverbs 15, or excuse me, verse 15 of chapter 25 says, a gentle tongue can break a bone. Wow, there's power in gentleness, the Bible says. There's a power in kindness. How many, you've had people in your life that seem irritated, but you came back with kindness and it changed their attitude. You ever had that happen? I've had that happen. I've had people that it seemed like they were having a bad day, but, but I did an interchange with them in some transaction, some situation, and I was as kind as I could be, and I noticed their attitude began to shift. Because the Bible says there's power in kindness. And he says also, you need to do this because the Lord is near. And he's already been talking about this, how the Lord's coming back. And I think the point of the Lord is coming back is the judge is coming back. So you don't have to be the judge. Hello? <laughs> Who am I preaching to right now? You don't have to be the judge. You don't have to say, well, convicted. You, you assaulted me verbally and you're a no good person and whatever. No, no, that's up to the Lord. See, and when you give it over to him, then he is your defender. 
See, you, you just say, well, Lord, you're going to take care of this. And if they were wrong toward me, you told me to love my enemies. And if they're my enemy, I hope they're not. But if they are, you're going to take care of them. You're going to take care of this situation. Now, how many believe God's bigger than you are? And he can handle it. All right, here's the third thing is be prayerful. Be prayerful. And this is in the next verse. He says, don't worry, verse six, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Again, we're in these 21 days of prayer, but you should be in prayer every day, 365. This is just a special emphasis on prayer. And two weeks ago, I preached my heart out on, on prayer and how important it is to pray with fervency. Do you remember that message? I preached myself maybe that afternoon into vertigo, okay? I don't know <laughs> what happened, but, but uh, anyway, I, I, I preached that, that message as hard as I could preach it. And, and let me tell you something, if you weren't here, Watch it again. If you did watch it, share it with somebody else. Because the prayer of a righteous person avails much. When did worry ever help you in an interpersonal conflict? Well, I got to worrying about it and it fixed it. You know, who said that? Nobody. You know, well, I'm going to tell them, and oh, and you start stewing and thinking about ways you're going to do this. And I'm, oh, now exactly what do I want to say? And how do I want to say it? And what word could I use that would just go right to the bone? You know, while you're doing all that, your blood pressure is just going. And stress levels are going out the roof and all. Let me tell you something. You're not doing yourself a favor when you're doing that. Let alone that person. And look at what he says in the rest of this verse. He says, pray about everything. Who should you tell? Twitter? <laughs> Facebook? Oh, do a post. That's what I'm, uh, I'm not going to name their name. I'm just going to say somebody real close to me did this to me. And whatever. So everybody's going to know who it is, right? And, and so, no, that's not what you do. Tell God what you need. And what else do you do? You thank him for what he's done. See, it's hard to be thankful and critical at the same time. Have you ever tried it? Try it this week. Just, just try being... Thankful, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the sun. Thank you, Lord, for the trees. Thank you for the birds. Thank you for the water that's coming right out of my faucet in my house here. That's awesome. I don't even have to go outside and pump anything or whatever. It's just available to me. I don't even think anything about it. But all these good and perfect gifts, I get in a car, drive to work today. I've got a job. I've got clothes that I can choose from. I can pick whichever outfit I want to wear today. I am so incredibly blessed. I've got money in my wallet. I've got the ability to go through a drive-thru, get breakfast if I want to on my way to work today. And you just start thanking God. I'm telling you, it's hard to be miserable. I'm just telling you. It's just hard. The immediate result, look at what he says, what will happen if you do this, if you put this into practice today. In verse seven, he says, and the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love how he says surpasses. See, what you couldn't get past, his grace helps you to surpass. I couldn't get past that. I couldn't get past what the, oh, yes, you can. Through him, and you start having an attitude of thankfulness and thanksgiving and all, you, you'll surpass it. Because his grace, how many know his grace is greater than your sin or anybody else's sin in your life? It is. All right, here's the fourth thing, is be thoughtful. Okay, be thoughtful. You, you got to have the right thoughts. Look at verse 8. And now, brothers, so he goes on, he's still teaching. And now, brothers, I want to talk about something else. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The word that Paul uses there for think is the word legosomai, and it's a Greek word that where we get our word logarithm it's a mathematical term. And he says, in other words, you need to have a plan. You have a strategic plan. You ought to have it so you, almost like on paper. What are you going to allow in your mind? Have you ever thought about that? You should think about that. What, what am I going to allow in my mind this week? Because there'll be people at work who want to throw some garbage in there. Are you going to allow that? There's going to be people in your life. They're going to, you know, maybe a fellow friend or student that were at school, and they're going to want to throw junk in there. You going to allow that? Are you, are you going to be a receptacle for negative input? Or are you going to say, no, no, that, that's, that doesn't pass the test. The test is what's true, honorable, right, Pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Can't, I'm not, I'm not putting it in. Get it out. I'm not allowing that to stay in my mind. He says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See this division these two women had, Unia, Udia, and Syntyche. The, the division that they had, it had nothing to do with the circumstances. Paul says, it's not about the circumstances and, well, she did this or she said this or whatever. It's not about the circumstances. It's about what are you allowing in your mind? Are you allowing in your mind, well, I don't like her. I don't like what she just did. And I'm gonna carry this with me. I'm not going to let it go today. Oh, no. I'm going to work it up. I, I'm, I'm going to work it up in my mind. I'm going to worry about it all day. Matter of fact, I just might stay up half the night worrying about it and stewing about it. Paul says, there's the problem. It's, it's not the situation. The situation, that's simple. It's what you're allowing in your mind. I'm preaching to somebody today that the reason why you have marriage problems is your mind. 
what you allow in. Some of you, you can't let go. Some of you, you're just itching for another argument. You're just waiting. You're just on edge. And it's because of the thoughts in your mind. You've got to watch so that your thoughts pass through this test. And listen, here's what Paul says. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to reframe your thinking. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored, stored up in your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'll tell you this. Like we preached last week, if you, again, if you didn't get that message, you need to go back and listen to it because if you'll store up God's word in your heart, not only won't you sin against God, I don't think you'll sin against people because it'll convict you. God's word will speak to you. And, and so where are you getting advice from about your relationships? Are you getting it from social media? Are you getting it from friends that already struggle in their own relationships? It's amazing how some people will, you know, it's like birds of a feather that flock together. It's, it's kind of funny because, and, and it's not really funny, but people will get together that have common problems. I want to get to somebody who's come out of the problem that, that knows how to get out of it, not wallow in it. Get with somebody that's been wallowing around for five years and can't get out of the problem, can't get out of the mess. I don't want to roll around in that stuff. Get your advice from the right sources. Here's what I was thinking about this week, and I want to bring it up on the screen. I don't know what to do, but I know where to go. See, I, I love this. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, Lord, we don't know what to do. Have you ever been there? Have you been there this week? You know, I, I, I don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. That's what it says. Our eyes are on you, Lord. Our eyes aren't on Twitter. Our eyes aren't on Facebook. Our eyes aren't on our friends that are struggling too and having situations and whatever. No, no, I don't know what to do but I know where to go. And if you'll humble yourself, see, you've got to be humble. And in verse four, nine, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Quit bowing up and, well, I don't, you know, they're wrong and I'm right. And no, just put these things into practice I've been telling you about. And here's what'll happen again, Paul says. The God of peace will be with you. Did you know that God wants your marriage to have peace? Did you know that? Did you know that God wants your friendships to be marked by peace? Did you know that God wants a hurting world, a struggling world, a conflicted world to be able to look to you and say, wow, they just seem to have peace. Do they not watch CNN? Do, do, they not, do they not tune in to what's all going on in our world? I mean, I was up half the night scrolling. I, you know, all this stuff, and you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do, and I'm trying to, I'm conflicted about what choice to make and what decision to do and who to date and not date and whatever, and if I ever will date and all that, and, and I'm just struggling and everything. No, no. Paul says, no, yeah, you don't have to live like that. You can live with peace. And listen, he's not talking to people from the Holiday Inn. 
Paul's in prison when he's writing this. And he says, if anybody can have peace right now in their life, it's me. I mean, I, I, I mean if, if I have peace, is really what he's saying, then anybody can. Because you're not in jail. The people he's writing to. So I think you can work out your situations. I, th- I think you can really work out your personality conflicts. I think you can come together on this. And here's what you do. You have a new orientation. And you say, okay, where's my joy level right now? You know, and where's my gentleness in all this? And, and how about prayerfulness? Am I praying for this person? Am I praying, God, bring reconciliation. God, bring, and it, God, if there's something in me Help me to see that. And, and what are my thoughts like? Are my thoughts really what they ought to be? Or, or am I letting other things come in and nest in my brain? And then let God lead. Let God lead. Just submit to him. Say, God, you're Lord. You're Lord of my life. Whatever you want. And if I got to go over there and apologize, if I got to send a text, if I got to go in person or whatever that looks like, I got to get on the phone or whatever that is, then God, I'm going to do that because I want to do what would please you because I want peace in my life. How about you? How many could use some more peace, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God that helps us in such practical ways. And so God, today, if we'll just humble ourselves, if we'll just ask ourselves, what are you saying to me, Holy Spirit? I believe you'll help us, you'll speak to us so that we can put this into practice. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, already I know that I I need to get my joy level up. Already I know I need to be more gentle. Already I know today that I, I'm, letting, I'm letting bad thoughts come into my mind and stay too long. I, I'm, I'm feeding off of stuff that's negative and, and no wonder I'm struggling at times in my life. But today, I, I just wanna do this biblical pattern of allowing my relationships to be relationships of peace that show the presence of the Lord in my life. How many are with me on that? You just raise a hand and say, yeah, I want God to do that. Fill my life with peace, my relationships. Heavenly Father, for those in person, and those online right now, that maybe their marriage is struggling a little. It wasn't a good week this week. Or, or maybe with family, or maybe it was friendships. Maybe it was with coworkers. And something kind of got sideways. God, help us to see our part in that. And help us today to put into practice what we've seen and what we've heard. Help us to take what our eyes see through the word of God and apply it into our lives so that peace can come in our homes and in our relationships. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online like several last week that you need a relationship with God restored. 
The Bible says we don't have an automatic relationship with him. It says we get peace with God. Paul taught this. He says you get peace with God when you make peace with God. And the way that we make peace with God is we say, God, come into my life. I invite you into my life. It's not automatic. The Bible says we invite him in. And so today, if you say, Craig, I need to invite God in. I I want a relationship with the living God. I I want a relationship that, that really has peace with God. If you'd like that today, it's as simple as just reaching out to him and opening your heart. And I want to help you to do that. So if you're here this morning in this room, just raise a hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need peace with God. I I don't have peace with God, but I want peace with God. And if you're online, just type, if you can, decided in the chat like several people did last week. And uh, we'll start praying for you. And I want you to follow me in this prayer right now. And I believe God's about to restore a relationship with you that'll be marked by peace. Well, everybody just pray this prayer so everybody around you will pray it. Just pray it out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So today I accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord to come in and wash away my past, free me of my guilt, and help me to start over. From this point forward, As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and making me your child today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate all those who prayed that prayer. So awesome. And listen, just like somebody that's getting baptized in the next service, uh, you could get baptized next month. And uh, you say, well, what's, that? what's the deal about that? Well, find out over across the hall, uh, baptism class right after this service so that you can ask questions, find out what's involved in baptism. It's really a next step uh, after you've made a heart decision, then you show it on the outside. And we want to help you do that. All right, let's stand together and get ready to worship the Lord one last time. And uh, I want to pray a blessing over you. Our prayer partners are going to be down front. If you need prayer after service today, feel free to come on down. Let somebody pray with you and pray for you. Heavenly Father, help us to go out of this place and to show your love to those around us so that they will know that we are your disciples and that there's peace in our hearts and lives, not by us, not by our power, but your power working in us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.